And now, Ravage Love. Must be the season of the witch. It's episode 24, season 5. Ravage Love, your October season whatever. I don't know what installation this is. Hi, Julie. <laughs> Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm so good. This the, I have this picture of fluffy Japanese pancakes on my on my phone screen here, but it looks like a beef Wellington. So I'm gonna turn that off because it is distracting. <laughs> it is a October, which is not only Renee's favorite time on the podcast, but also her favorite time of life. Because what did you get up to today, Renee? I went uh, skeleton shopping. You see, this this was the year I I. I manifested the 12 foot skeleton, right? Congratulations. Um, thank you. I haven't built it yet. I'm going to, but um, I was like, I, you know what? It needs more skeletons. So I, it's, it's like nearly end of season now. Right. Mm-hmm. So you want to, you want to get your Halloween decorations in August. Um, and had a lot going on. <laughs> so um, did get the ultimate Halloween decoration though. Um, that an urn. I got an urn. So um <laughs> I went and I bought skeletons today. I bought like a tower of skulls uh, and I bought a dog. I bought two vultures and I bought three bags of bones. Um, I would have had four, but there were a couple of bros carrying it around um, and I didn't want to fight them for it. I would have, but who was the time? Who was the time? Love I'm that. Just, just yeah, like going to be charitable. Just a yard full of bones for Halloween. Love that for you. Love yeah, it for your I, I, neighborhood. What a gift you're giving your neighbors, honestly. Well, there's this really spooky, like, skeletal mummy at Costco. And I really wanted to get it. But my house, as you know, is across the street from a primary school. Mm. And I was like, it's a little much. So I want well, the kids and I have been brainstorming. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to raise Skelly. We're going to put skeletons bowing down to him like around him mm-hmm. and then we're going to take my porcelain dolls and make it look like they're dancing around it like with their hands up and I'm going to get little like tea lights and shit and, and make it look like they're just like having a time I love this and I hope the kids who come to your house on Halloween also appreciate it I hope the parents of the kids that come <laughs> to your house on Halloween appreciate it you know what I will say this last year I didn't decorate. I was having a time. And so at the very last second, I hollered at the kids and I was like, children, assemble the dolls. And so they just pulled up all the dolls from the basement because I have boxes of them, boxes and boxes of porcelain dolls. And then we just threw them out in the lawn. That's all we did. We just put them on the lawn. We didn't have a pumpkin last year. And the dads wouldn't come to the door. The dads were so creeped out by the porcelain dolls that many of them were like, I'm good here on the sidewalk. Like, not happy that there were dolls and we didn't nothing else was going on the dolls were enough and i mean it's because it's really like russian roulette like you don't know which doll is like a vessel oh of course of course and if you just crack the code on how to be like a man repellent like go on with your bad self like fundamentally you just found a way to get men to not step on your lawn like it sounds like a win-win situation it really is, especially like, okay, so um, when I was living in Brockville, as the only goth on the island, um, there was this lady named uh, Mary, and she kind of like, I don't know what her deal was. Like, there were so many like um, 
just like things that people said about her that were I'm sure not sure like these rumors one of them was that she was actually very very wealthy um one was that she escaped from the insane asylum in Brockville um but what she did and I love this was she carried a doll around with her porcelain doll um and she always hung out uh, um at the Tim Hortons on King Street but if you there was a stoplight near there and if you stopped and you didn't have your door locked she'd hop in your car and demand a ride it's like, what are you gonna do? Say no. She got a doll. <laughs> oh could be, could be anything. Yeah, that. I hope she. I yeah, hope, I she, hope went she went home wealthy. and lived the most perfectly normal life, and that it was just a shtick to get people to leave her alone. I love yeah. that. I did you ever read it. the book? Um, it's like a kids' book. It's called Miss Nelson is Missing. No, have you read? So it's a, it's a book about this teacher who's like sweet as pie. Her name's Miss Nelson. She's blonde. She's you know pert. She's happy, but her classroom is full of a bunch of assholes like a bunch of like i don't know dexon and and kaylin yeah like a bunch of those and they just don't listen and they throw spitballs and like she's over it so um the next day the principal comes in he's like hey miss nelson's at home with the cold so I'll, i'll teach you today and then out of nowhere this like big honking woman comes in with like black hair and a big nose and warts and like is a witch right she's obviously you know a witch and they're like oh my god who is she and she's like i miss viola swamp get fucked children and then she makes them learn and she scares them and uh it's it turns out it's just miss nelson in a miss viola swamp costume um and that's what i want to imagine for this woman that lived in brockville that that's she went home she took off her like bag lady outfit and was just like mm, reginald how are the children today wonderful darling they were they were splendid and it's like that's just that's just what she does because she was probably like a rich uh brock brockvillian boomer or something i think about her often i think is, is the bottom line uh what i was trying to get at <laughs> that good that good solid doll energy <laughs> Well, I I love it and I want to build a shrine to this woman because she sounds incredible and also like misogyny and ageism makes it that I feel like everyone has a story about like the quote unquote crazy lady in their name in their you know, I we had we called her the babysitter bandit. She was like this creepy woman who like was our babysitter very briefly sometimes. And she didn't do anything wrong to us. She just had a house that like smelled really weird and she never opened the blinds and she would give you apples at Halloween. And this was like the height of the panic around there's razor Wait, blades. blades. Yeah. And so like <laughs> she started it. <laughs> she fucking started it. Ruth. She didn't want to give up her apples. <laughs> Ruth Calhoun fucking started Ooh. it anyways yeah so yeah, but why were you in her house because she would babysit us oh she was okay i see I yeah see. so again it wasn't it was like one particular summer where my parents were like really hard up trying to find childcare. you know the struggle and so to me and my brother it was like months and months but then in adulthood we've talked about it and i'm like i don't think it was that long but but it was just <laughs> her house was she was strict it's like she babysat kids willingly but like she consented to, but she didn't want to, if that makes sense. I don't know if she just needed the money or what, but she had no toys in her house and you had to stay in her house and she'd have the curtains drawn and she would just watch soap operas all day or whatever daytime TV was going on. And you had to just sit there and be <laughs> bored to death in her house that smelled terrible. 
and uh she scared like people would go trick-or-treating and just like avoid her house because she was terrifying and then the kids who didn't know any better would go and be like an apple and you're like (laughs) welcome to the babysitter bandit i don't know why we call i don't know if it was from watching home alone that we we call it the babysitter bandit but uh to this day you can ask my brother he will dead ass validate (laughs) everything i've just said because it was like shared trauma that we had with her so probably because like when you went trick-or-treat if you went to her house and you had one of those unicef boxes she'd snatch it off the little strings <laughs> and then be like get off my porch and it was like to pay for the apples or something probably so she was babysitter and a bandit perhaps she had a lot of hustles going bless her heart I but love it. I love it. so yeah like lots the of, sands of time <laughs> like the sands of time much like the soap operas that we watched at her house and yeah so there's lots of things lots of memories come up in the month of october and uh you know you're the black cat i'm the golden retriever in this relationship so that is probably based on the little bit i know of what you've read this week the little snippet preview you gave Mm. instagram that horrified all of us i (laughs) think we're going to be reproducing the golden retriever black cat energy in today's episode because i read a book with just a real straightforward title which was hot ghost (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> say no more <laughs> say, no, say no more fam i got you so i read a book literally called hot ghost <laughs> by by annika martin tagline being a short tale with a hot as fuck ghost by new york oh. times best-selling author annika martin it's just like some bitch in the sheet with like fishnets on. <laughs> oh, this is what blew me away about this book. So first of all, the cover is just like a pirate in shadow and like a modern day woman in shadow, like heels, dress, whatever. So I'm like, okay, it's called hot ghost. I'm already <laughs> sold. Then it says like hot as fuck ghost. I'm like, oh, maybe this is like a funny thing. And then it's like New York times bestselling author. So you're like, okay. So, Annika Martin, according to your bio, loves reading fun, steamy books, and I would say clearly enjoys writing them as well. This book came out in 2020, and it was 111 pages or something. It truly could have been shorter. So, my complaint about this book is that not a lot happens, but it means I don't have a lot to tell you. So that's either good or bad, depending on whether or not you enjoy listening to me on this podcast. Uh, But well-written, there was, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to tell you what happens in Hot Ghost. So Hot Ghost. (laughs) Cassie Nolan is a haunted tour guide in a small community where she was born and raised in this town called Clancyville. She was... Um, this ghost kind of known colloquially as old salt and (coughs) (laughs) I'll get to it. Old salt. So they live on the ocean. It's like on the ocean and her parents run a tavern called old salt. And she is a tour guide. And every night at eight 15, the rumor is you hear this ghost so you get like a cold breeze and then you hear like chains like being dragged 
at the same time around 8.15 every single night. And Cassie Nolan hated living in Clancyville. She fucking hates this ghost, okay? So she knows all about him because she not only grew up in that town, but she gives people the tour, right? So the story is, his name is Captain William McHenry, and he has been a ghost at this particular pier since 1879. When the story goes, there was a shipwreck, and he was desperately trying to get to shore to find the love of his life named Nell. Now, I hear Nell, I'm thinking Jodie Foster going, Chickapay in a woods. That's where I'm going. <laughs> so in my mind, that's what I'm picturing Nell as. But so the rumor is every night at 8.15, which is the time that he had come ashore that time in 1879, he is calling out for Nell, trying to find the love of his life. Cassie leaves her small town, goes to LA to be a screenwriter, living her dream. She wants to be a writer and she wants to make television. And, but she has to come back to Clancyville and give up this big opportunity to make this movie because her mom has hurt her hip and they run this small tavern. They need help. So she's come back and she's helping with the tavern and also continuing with the, the tour guides job, which ends at the tavern. So it's kind of like, you know, the old story of, you know, trying to be a good daughter, come home to the family. So she, the reason why she hates this ghost is she's like, you could go anywhere. You're a fucking ghost. And you've been coming to the same place every night since 1879. Like, go home. Find something else to do. And, you know, he has a hook for a hand. And he looks like a pirate. And so she just is just like, you fucking loser. Like, if you, I, I wish <laughs> I could get out of this town. And you choose to come back here for a woman who clearly you'll never fucking find. Like, ah. So... One night, she does the guide, and then she goes back to the tavern, and this, like, obnoxious fucking showboaty dude in town who's, like, the drummer for the house band at this pub, and she's just like, I hate everything about this fucking town. I don't want to be here. This fucking sucks. So she's just doing tons of tequila, goes outside, slips, falls, dies. <laughs> oh. So she goes outside. It's a real fucking, like, brr hard left so she goes outside and there's like a light missing on the big sign that lights up the tavern so she goes to like fix the light bulb but slips falls and dies and <clears throat> she oh my god did she have a will <laughs> that's the theme for this this new season it's just like <laughs> did she have a will so she like all great ghost movies doesn't initially realize that she's a ghost. So she wakes, so she just like gets up and she's like, Oh, that's weird. And then she's walking around and she sees that people are screaming and crying and there's ambulances and she doesn't understand what's going on. And she sees her parents are distraught and she's trying to talk to them and they can't hear her. And she's like, what the fuck? And then she sees this like pirate looking motherfucker sitting on the side of the water with attached with this chain on him attached to an anchor. And he's just kind of like, do do do. And so she's like, well, this dude's out of place. Do you know what the fuck's going on? And he was like, oh, hey, I'm a ghost. You're a ghost. I'm Mick Henry. And she's like, fuck you. No, you're not. And he's like, yes, I am. And he's just like very nonchalant. And then he realizes, ha, huh, you're the fucking woman that has been taunting me for years. So one, I really do exist. And two, like, Sucks, eh? To be a ghost? 
and you're not even having anyone taunt you. Imagine how I felt all those years. And she's starting to make peace with the fact that she's a ghost. And she's like, can you, and this is so funny because the book I read last episode was about a woman who meets a ghost and then tries to get that ghost to fuck with people on her behalf. Same thing with hot ghost is she was like, can you please fuck with this guy that I hate at the pub? And he was like, no, I'm not that kind of ghost. And she's like, come on, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's just like, it's just trolling him basically. So he's like, okay. And then he sees how happy it makes her. And he's like, okay. Um, And then they start talking. And then she realizes that he was very sincere in wanting to find this woman. She also realizes that he met that woman once. She was a sex worker. And the reason why he was in love with her is because she was the first woman to not make fun of him or draw attention to the fact that he had a hook for a hand. And so she's like, you're going to tell me. Since 1879, you've been haunting this pier for a sex worker you met once. And he's like, well, when you say it that way, yes, it sounds insane. And so she's like, just fucking leave. And she like helps him get the chain off of his leg. And he's like, oh my God, thank you so much. I've been dragging this thing around. I couldn't get it off. And she's like, yeah, now go be free. And he's like, oh no, that's not how this works. Like you're stuck. You're trapped in the place that you were in when you died. And so then she realizes I'm fucking stuck in this goddamn town watching my family mourn me, watching my family move on. And I'm stuck here. This is awful. And she also realizes that he could have been fucking with people and he didn't. Right. He could have been making things levitate. He could have been throwing things at people. He could have been making people feel insane, but he didn't. He just genuinely was trying to find the love of his life so that he wouldn't be alone for all of eternity And that kind of like softens herself to him. And then she realizes like, I love you. And then he teaches her how to touch things. Cause I guess initially when you're a ghost, everything is like, you know, your hands go through everything. But if you focus hard enough and you practice, you can like pick things up and do things. So of course he teaches that to her in the act of coitus. So they bang and they fall in love. And then she, does something that I thought was a very cool little twist. So for years when she was alive, she wanted her family to be on one of those ghost hunter shows, which I know you love those Renee. I love them so much, but because old McHenry's hauntings were auditory only, it was like a cold breeze. And then the sound of chains, it doesn't make for good television. So the people from TV came and they were like, yeah, we verified that this thing really does happen. And they had like scientists and all these people come and they're like, yep, there's definitely like a shift in the atmosphere at 815. You can hear the sounds. There's no other explanation for it, but it's not compelling television because it's not really a visual medium. So because this bitch is a fucking screenwriter, she's like, oh, you want fodder for television? I got this. So what she does is she starts spelling out Nell on the beach using driftwood and then writing messages like, I love you now, now da, 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 on the beach to create a visual of how McHenry really is a real person. And mm-hmm. then that gets her family, a TV crew, which then draws more tourists, which then boosts business 
for her family. And then her and McHenry get to live happily ever after as little ghosts on this pier. And they get to like do things like, but not fuck with people, but actually help people that are still alive. So then she feels better about the fact that she doesn't get to be with her family, but now she gets to be with him instead. Well, she's the new chickpea. It was exactly. It was. So, like I said, it was well-written. There was some, like, funny parts. There was, um, like, just but, like, more intricacy to the story than you would assume from, you know, previous stories that I've read that are similar or just, like, a lot of stories like this. These sort of, like, short little, you know, often self-published little stories where you're like, okay, it's pretty simple. It's formulaic. I was like, oh, this is a really interesting little plot twist around helping the family and doing these things. So it like wasn't corny, I guess is the word. Um, so there is fucking, and she does talk at length about like, wow, you're really fucking handsome. And all the pictures that we have of you in terms of, you know, the logos for the tavern and, you know, the flyers for the tour and stuff don't actually capture your beauty at all. You just look like kind of like a grizzled pirate with a fucking hook for a hand. <laughs> And she's like, but you hot as fuck, sir. And so they do fuck and like, it's hot enough, I guess. So I'm going to give it three out of five fish and chips for its spice factor. Um, And in terms of the accoutrement, I got to give them some sort of vibrator hand attachment. Right. I, I got to oh, assume yeah. you could take yeah. the hook off and put a dildo, put a vibrator, put something on there. Um, a paddle, something to really just spice things up. Might as well use the arm while you can. Might as well. Uh, so that was Hot Ghost by Annika Martin. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, a hook is a bold choice. Like, I, I feel like there had to have been better options for, for pirate hands. I mean, I do understand the hook because... It is like you can grab things at least. Otherwise, it's like, you know, when you watch like pirate things and the person just has like a peg for a hand. I'm like, what was he doing with that? You can't do anything with that. Just have the stuff. Julie, they were men on a ship full of men. Oh, they were fucking each other with the peg, weren't they? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's on me. <laughs> they were either just pegging each other. Literally pegging. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Love that for me. Love that I just put two and two together as we're talking now. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. You know what? It's late. It's late. You got there. It's true. It is true. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, <laughs> for the love of Christ. Now, folks, I for those of you who are new to the podcast, we decide on a theme. So for October, we you know dealer's choice. We just read or October stuff, but we choose a theme. But that's it. We don't ever confer with each other on what the books are. So I never have any clue what Renee has read prior to this. However, Renee did post a screenshot. So she took a picture of one page of her book, a physical copy of a book that she's reading with some of the most disturbing fucking things I've ever seen written in the written word. So I am dying to know what the hell you read this week. My God. So my book didn't have a lot of fucking, but it was a romance. And I'm just going to read you this review real quick because I thought it really summed it up. So this is from Raya. It's on the Amazon page for it. And it says, this is a wholesome love story between a couple named Andy and Luna. 
The story is about the trials and tribulations of being in a relationship where one doesn't love the other the same and will always uh, and always going the extra mile for the other. Will their relationship survive or is it not what it's chopped up to be? Um, which I thought was funny because <laughs> this book was a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so mine's a novella and it was written by a poet. Um, and it's so beautifully written. Uh, and every review will, will, will say the same thing. It's incredibly beautifully written. Um, but it's fucking gross. This book was fucking gross. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it has based a on what I saw, she gnarly. So here's what it's, here's what it says. Just in the introduction, it says, our deaths deserve no other meaning than to be devoured. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to sit with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a book about a, a lesbian, a woman named Andy. And Andy has suffered incredible trauma in her life. We find out kind of midway through the novella that her little brother died when he was four. Uh, he fell off a roof. And then her father had a breakdown and then killed himself and her mother. This happened while she was at a sleepover. And when she was out searching with a search party to find her family, the cops found their car in the river and pulled it up while she was there. And she saw her mother's face after she uh, had been drowned. Um, and it's really gross, but she's in a relationship with this woman named Luna and she is obsessed with her girlfriend. She's like obsessed with her. And as the book opens, we learn she's making a gift for her partner. And it's what she's done is she's learned how to like grow Luna moths. Um, and so she's been doing this in her basement and then waiting for them to die, like letting them live out their very short life cycles and then saving their wings to make like a big art piece for Luna. And so it's finally ready. And she's like, okay, here it comes. And she's so excited to give it to her. But Luna is grossed out. She's like, ew, oh my God, oh my God. So she's immediately been rejected. And now Luna knows that Andy has mental health issues. And Luna, and sorry, Andy's been going to therapy for a really, really long time. Um, but her therapist has also since died. She had cancer and she died. So um, Andy had to get a new therapist. This therapist's name is Dr. Fawning. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Luna is like, this is gross. Um, I hate it. Don't give me dead things. Um, and so this starts kind of andy's sort of like not sort of her descent into madness so out she lives in the country she lives in the house that she grew up in and in the country there are turkey vultures fun fact about turkey vultures is that um my dad didn't believe they were real so my friend and i made a powerpoint to prove to him they were real and he was furious and i got grounded so don't ever tell a man he's wrong um Nevertheless, um, she lives alone in the country next to her neighbor. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't remember his name. I, I had to annotate this book as I was going, but I didn't take notes. So just, it doesn't matter what his name is. So, so <laughs> <A> his guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, miss, Mr. Landon. 
Okay, so Mr. Landon. Mr. Landon lives next door. He always has. And he always kind of keeps an eye on on Andy, but she doesn't like chatting with him because he always talks about like the farm or like the weather or stuff. And it's always the same conversation and she hates talking to him. But outside of the house, um, there are turkey vultures and they're always up in the sky. And she starts to kind of ruminate on turkey vultures, like what their deal is. And it turns into this obsession with um, the vultures and trying to build a family of her own while simultaneously she also wants to make herself her own vulture wings and prove to the vultures that she can be like them so they kind of adopt her but vultures eat carrion and so she starts to develop a taste for carrion and that's what this book is about it's about this woman who is very mentally ill and she w- can only eat dead, rotting things. Um, and this obsession with her girlfriend, this obsession with these vultures and understanding them and them seeing her and, and accepting her fuels the entire story and her descent into madness. So as the story goes on um, and she's got this, this hunger starts up, she she ends up like going down on her girlfriend, but her girlfriend's very hesitant because she's on her period. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And so the page that I shared was about how it's kind of at the end of this chapter where she's gone down on her girlfriend while her girlfriend's on her rag and she, her hand is covered in blood. And then she like licks the blood off her fingers while making eye contact with her girlfriend and her girlfriend freaks the fuck out. And so she like runs out of the house um, and then because she's like, oh, my God, you're giving me like dead bug parts and you were like eating my menstrual blood. Like, come on. And then so she she flees the home. And then when um, Andy goes in the bathroom, she washes her hands. She, she sees that her her girlfriend uh, wrapped up a tampon and toilet paper and put it in the trash. And so she like sucks the blood out of it. Um, I just want to say like it's really I think thoughtful of her girlfriend to put a tampon in the trash. Um, <laughs> yes. Don't flush that shit. The toilet. Don't flush yeah, it. Especially considering she's rural, right? Like that's, that's just a big like tank. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, I mean, Luna's very thoughtful is, is my bottom line. Now when Luna and Andy met, uh, Luna was married and Andy was um, a bartender and she's always had this kind of like simmering rage inside of her um, where she would like, flap the handle and beat the shit out of kids at school if they like even commented on her family and they met in at this bar because um andy was taking out some trash and there was um like a dude accosting this girl in the alley and so andy ended up breaking the garbage bag taking a bottle and launching it at this guy but it like shattered on the back of his neck and she got fired so um when luna was like thanks so much for like helping my pal whatever um that's how they met And so they, obviously the attraction was there. So Andy and Luna decide to be together, but Luna's in the process of divorcing her husband, Malik, who is like very, very in love with Luna still. Okay. So just now, you know, so they're having this relationship, they're going on and, um, Andy is seeing her new therapist, Dr. Luna. And she doesn't really like Dr. Sorry, not Dr. Fani. She really doesn't like her because Dr. Fani has like, these big eyes and wears tan suits and like really doesn't say a lot but 
she still confides in her. She still tells her what's going on in her life and, um, you know, gives her advice on like what to do next and all of these things. So the period thing has happened. And now Mr. Landon, uh, his, he, he runs into Luna and he's like, Hey, so every day, um, or like every Friday or whatever, um, Andy is driving up to the borders of my property, parking her car and like leaving it there for a while, then coming back. Like, is everything okay? So Andy or sorry, Luna goes back to the house and she's like, you aren't going to therapy. Like what's going on? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, well, Mr. Lannon said that he sees you park as property and then you go into the woods. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? She's like, you're going to believe him over me. Like if you're going to believe him over me, get the fuck out of my house. And she's like, no. And so they have this big, big, big fight. Meanwhile, she goes and she talks to Mr. Landon. And she's like, what the fuck, man? And he's like, what do you mean? What the fuck? And then they end up having this conversation about how his pig is about to have piglets. So she gets it into her head that she could steal one of these piglets and she could eat it. And so she does. She steals a piglet and she eats it alive. Like, well, she breaks its neck, then she eats it. Um, and the next day she's very violently ill and then she hates herself because not because she ate a piglet, but because she couldn't keep it down. So she's like, the vultures are never going to accept me because of this thing. And then meanwhile, she's like, I'm, I'm ruining my relationship with Luna. Uh, Luna doesn't love me. Like she didn't like my gift. Like, so it's just this descent into madness, right? Where, she, where she's got this obsession with her girlfriend. Um, and also this like heavy taste for me. So as the story goes on, she, um, she meets Mr. Landon and Mr. Landon's like, where the fuck is your girlfriend? She's like, I don't know. She stormed out of my house and like, I haven't seen her. And he's like, well, her car's parked in front of your house. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the car sure enough is parked there. And so in her mind, she's like, oh, well, maybe a friend came to get her. Maybe she was too upset to drive. Like she doesn't know, but she's getting really pissed off that people are like, questioning her and her girlfriend's giving her the silent treatment and she isn't being accepted by these vultures julie (laughs) so she decides she's gonna start making wings and because there's always turkey vultures she starts collecting these wings of these turkey vultures or not the wings but like the feathers so she has this big basket of feathers and by this point like she can only eat like dead things and she's wasting away malik is starting to call her to be like where the fuck is luna and she's like i don't know she like left me like i don't know what to tell you and so she's on this journey to kind of get her wings done and then one day malik shows up and um oh sorry no let me backtrack she goes to to go steal another piglet (laughs) jesus she goes to steal another piglet and who catches her? Mr. Landon. Um, so she kills him and then drags him out to the forest. Then she goes home. Then Malik shows up and he's like, we got to go find Luna. And I, you know, I know you did something to her. And then he like sees this basket and in it, he's like, hey, that's Luna's basket. And she's like, no, she, she gave it to me. Like, and it's got all the feathers in it. She doesn't want the feathers to blow away. But in it is like um, the wings she's making, but they're tied together with hair and it's luna's hair oh boy she's tying them together luna's hair and so she has like she's like i I can't talk to you right now i have to get to therapy like it's really important and 
she's he's like well no luna said you weren't going to therapy and then so she's pissed now because she's like luna's talking to her husband about my therapy i hate this so she's freaking out she goes and she grabs these like like her her luna moth art project thing that she was making and she brings it with her and then she's like well you might as well fucking come with me like i gotta go to this appointment so she is in the car with malik and they drive and then sure enough she goes to the woods and she has no idea what's going on in her mind so she believes she's at an office building and she walks into the woods and then she's like okay just wait in the hall malik like i just gotta do my therapy And he's like what the fuck are you talking about we're outside and then she goes and she sits down and starts talking to dr fawning Turns out Dr. Fawning is literally just a dead fawn strung up in a tree that has been rotting for the entire book. And she's and it's been responding to her and she's talking to it and all this stuff is happening. But then it turns out that Luna is there and she's still alive and she's tucked under feathers and stuff. But um, Andy had been coming and like taking pieces out of her to eat. Because she's like, we'll be together forever. Yum, 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 yum. And then she's like, please just kill me. And she's like giving her drugs and stuff to keep her asleep. But now she's got like frostbite and her fingers are dead and all this stuff. And um, so she's like, you know what? Like, I don't want the vultures to have you because you belong to me. So like, I'm going to give you wings so that you can fly away. So she starts sewing the moth wings onto Luna's back. Um, and then Luna ends up like attacking her and then Malik's like, I'm going to save you, baby. And like, he calls the cops. And then, um, so he's like taking Luna out of there, but then Andy, all her memories come back about like what she's been doing. And it's like this awful thing about how she like kidnapped her, her girlfriend. She was too scared to lose her and wanted to help her transform so she could be with her and free. And then, um, she's like, coppers aren't going to take me. So she goes over to the fawn, this like rotting fawn, and starts shoving the meat of this fawn in her mouth so she will choke and die. Um, And she does. And that's how the story ends. So this is a book about obsession (laughs) and, and, and love and family and all these things. But I, in no universe, can do this book justice because legitimately so beautifully written like it's disgusting in parts okay sure but fuck i want to read more books by poets like this was so good um 10 out of 10 for quality of story zero out of 10 for spice because there was only one scene honestly um so you know um oh i didn't mention so the book's called to be devoured by sarah tantlinger yeah, I was like, what is the name of this horror yeah. express? Okay. Yeah, sorry. So it's To Be Devoured by Sarah Tantlinger, who is a horror writer and poet. Um, she's won, like, Bram Stoker Awards. Like, she's very, very talented, and it shows. Um, the o- There was an older, ver- like, cover for this book with, like, a vulture on it. But the one that I have has, like, Luda moths on it. It's black, and it's really... It's a really lovely book. Like, it's a really lovely cover. I think anybody would would take this book and be like, oh, my God, I love moths. This looks so witchy. And then would be in for a rude awakening when they when they read it. Um, but, like, I could see them teaching this book in, like, university. Like, it, it's so good. Um, and I read it in one sitting because, like, it was just fucking out. Like, I couldn't put it down, honestly um it was only 83 pages it felt a lot longer because i didn't know what horror i was gonna read next (laughs) um 
That's fair. I mean, I yeah. was listening to your to you talk about it, and I had the same thought. So, dang. yeah, but like, but I did annotate it, and so it's like there are so many themes, and it's like, you know, things that pop up again and again, like a, like a good horror, like she wakes up at three a.m. in the middle, like every night, and all these things. Like it, it had every. This book had everything. everything. <laughs> I loved it. I really, really did. And it's like if you can get past the icky stuff. It's a really powerful book. It really is. And I, I've read a lot of horror that I would not describe as powerful. Um, but this this was like a book about grief and trauma. And it just like pushing this person over the edge. Like everybody she loves, she loses. And she just wants to be part of like a community and be part of like this like laissez-faire sort of community of vultures i'll tell you i thought it was great um i can't read you guys anything in this book because uh it's very depressing it's very depressing it's not romantic um it's very unhealthy love and i don't want to share that but what i do want to share is that at the back of this book there are two recipes for drinks a cocktail and a mocktail um and the reason it's in there is because when she was a bartender she was like obsessed with learning kind of like the art of of drink making and so she learned all these fancy drinks and so i thought it was really neat that they put a recipe at the end of this um i that did write just first that might yeah be a first I, on, the, on the show i mean honestly yeah and i did write lol on it because i wasn't expecting like it's like the final page is like but at least it is my ending, my bitter devouring. At least it is something they cannot take from me. Next page. Shimmery Luna Moth. And then it's the, the recipe. So <laughs> loved it. Loved it. So I'm going to read that. But um, as far as accoutrements go, um, who? I, ooh, I mean, this woman was not scared of a little blood. Okay, so she she so you know she's she's good in bed. Uh she worried about her her partner's pleasure first, which I love. Um I mean, maybe like a good seasoning. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some like everything bagel seasoning or like Montreal <laughs> steak spice. Um I was waiting for her to like there to be a scene where she went down on her partner and just took a bite out of her pussy. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um but the the long description of her um eating her therapist fawn um i don't i don't think any i don't think any seasoning would have saved that so um (laughs) here's a recipe for the shimmering luna moth the ingredients are uh midori vodka triple sec simple syrup lemon juice pineapple juice lemon lime soda and edible glitter which i love and then it tells you uh how to make it and then recommendation here at the bottom For the ice, try freezing fresh mint leaves into ice cubes. You want to feel connected to the earth, don't you? Andy would want you to. So with the vultures, and they're watching. Remember, they're always watching. And then on for the mocktail, you'll like this, Julia, and you would probably drink it. It has matcha in it, so I'm sure it tastes like... Ooh, grass, and I love it. 
It says here, note, if you enjoy matcha tea, you can substitute it for the green tea or make a green tea and matcha blend. One of my favorites. Matcha adds that extra earthiness for an even stronger bond with the circling vultures. And then throughout the book, there's like these little like silhouettes of vultures on branches, which I thought was cool. This is a great book. Honest to God, it was it was a really great book with a really beautiful forward and I loved it. And you have an actual paper copy. Like this is like a paper copy book that folks can get, correct? Yeah. And so how I found it was um, there's a person on like TikTok and she reads like horror almost exclusively. And so she often puts together lists of like, these are my favorite books. And that's how I typically find my books because I don't want to read a dud, Julie. My time is precious. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to read a dud. So I look for lists of like, what's the best horror? And then I try and narrow it down to kind of like the things that I am mostly interested in haunted houses. Um, But in this case, you know, she did mention it was a love story and that it was incredibly graphic and gross. And like, she like couldn't get out of her mind. And I was like, you know what? I'm sold. And so although it was not like an erotic story, um, it was a love story. Um, and I, and I thought that that was appropriate for our show. Um, we'll be back with something wacky next week, but I, I really recommend this book genuinely. Um, not for vegans though, Julie, I'm sorry. I don't think you like this at all, but, um, anyone else who, you know, has a strong stomach, if you can read Poppy Z Bright or the dude that wrote Fight Club, um, you can read this book. Yeah, I can never say his last name. And I live in Edmonton where it's all Ukrainian. Like, I can't I can't say the, the, the last name, so I'm not going to try. <sighs> Please, yeah, read this book. I think I think people are going to really love it, honestly. Um, and, and shout out to the person that read or that left the um, uh, review that just said it was a wholesome love story because I thought that was really great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah, it was something. But um, yeah not not my usual like i would have i would have just read this for myself but it it was a very fucked up love story like all good love stories yeah yeah i i wish i wish you i wish you had the stomach to read this book because it is so beautifully written genuinely like i can't i can't stress that enough like it feels like like something you would read in university and have to like break down. Like I want to read it again now that I know what's coming. I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I can handle it a little bit. But I think I told you, I was like, I can't read my book because I was told that, you know, it, it will churn your stomach. So I couldn't read it when I normally get to read, which is when I'm like eating dinner or sitting down for dinner because I was like, I'm worried. So I saved it till like I read some of it while the kids were in music class and then the rest at night. So I finished at like 1 a.m. But I was like, I'm so glad I didn't eat because it's very, very detailed about Ooh. eating of the carrion. So if y'all can stomach it, that, this is highly recommended by me, Renee Cabana Marshall. So thanks. Well, I'm going to read you some silly wholesomeness now to round us off for this episode. I feel like a little, uh, you know, end on a bit of a palate cleanser for folks for whom that's not their jam. I'm going to tell you right now, though, Julie, if it involves dick sucking, nope. that to me is not a palate cleanser. Nope. There's yeah, no okay. sexual activity in what I'm going to read. Uh, okay, I okay. decided to, as I was listening to you, I was like, yeah, I'm going to choose a section that's light and floofy. 
So uh, we're going to do light and floofy. Yes. Remember, my book was called Hot Ghost. (laughs) It's the emphasis on the age that's killing me. Hot Ghost. Hot Ghost. Hot Ghost. (laughs) So I'm going to read you the legend of Captain McHenry. According to legend, Captain McHenry had been a brave and handsome young captain on his first voyage commanding his very own ship when the famous storm of 1879 hit. He'd managed to get his entire crew safely off to shore in spite of having a hook hand before perishing with the ship. All of that heroic sacrifice and ingenuity and he'd settled for the old chain dragging and moaning routine. Could he not throw stuff around? Smash something? Splash people? Because seriously, this guy was a ghost with enough ghost juice to drag an invisible chain around the dock creating vibrations that scientists could measure. But no, he went for the same old, same old. The real nickelback of ghosts. (laughs) There were a few Mondays when the tavern and tour operations were closed when she'd had a few drinks that she would... And then she would wander down to the pier at night to rail at him. Dude, you're a ghost! Buy a clue, dumbass! She'd never stand for the stories of the other townspeople speaking like that, not in a million years. But it was different when she did it. Captain William McHenry was her ghost. And that's... That's that's it. Yeah. I think the scientists were like, look at this ghostly graph. They're like <laughs> measuring the <laughs> Oh, that was clutch. That was clutch. And I think that's because even though you were born and raised in Ontario, you have lived in Alberta long enough that it just rolled off the tongue. A Nickelback joke just rolled right off the tongue. Uh, it, it is part of being Canadian, I think. So. Oh, my God. Well, well, well done. Well, if you want to read disturbing shit with beautiful prose... Read Renee's book. If you want to read silly, silly, silliness, read my book. Hot ghost. <laughs> Hot ghost. Honestly, if somebody, if if a listener wants my copy of my book with the annotation and the notes, like, and I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of like, what the fuck did I just read written in this book? But if you want it and you message me, I'll send it to you. See? I don't have any stickers though. My brother, I think, misplaced them, but um, I, I, I will send you my book. So first person to drop us a line on Ravage Love on Instagram, uh, I'll send you my book. Great. And then you can be equally as disturbed. And since so many people commented already on your little preview of it, I think you're going to get a lot of demand for that book. Yeah. I hope that um, it becomes like a ring situation where it's like you got to read it and then pass it on. (laughs) And it becomes like a chain letter, but like... A lot of, a lot of, it, this is how we're going to create like widespread veganism. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also. I mean, I'm still eating chicken nuggets, but. Um, <laughs> They're not really chicken anyway. Nothing, nothing unsettles my stomach. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> well, and you know, you said if, you know, it becomes like the ring where you have to watch it within a week. Uh, re- sorry, read it within a week. I've broken two mirrors just this month. Oh my God. And. I'm this ho- month this just month. october just in october i have broken two mirrors and one of them Truly. was my beautiful pink barbie mirror no your heart can't take any more curses i'm no that's the thing and so i'm like i want to believe that if people don't read the book within a week nothing bad will happen to them but also i like i can't tell myself i'm not actually superstitious because i'm like dead ass terrified of what it means (sighs) that i broke two mirrors 
in one month and it was the same thing i dropped them they were like hand mirrors so i was doing you know doing looking at the back of my head when i was doing my hair and some people have said it means i have 14 years bad luck other people say that they cancel each other out so i'm back to neutral maybe i I think you just dropped them they were just in your hand they just were in my hand and they fell this is this is okay this is one of two things okay it's either that you are so empathetic as a human being that your body is tricking you into thinking you have MS. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, no, that's, you're like, that's my thing. Yep. Give me no, that. no, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't need to carry this burden alone, oh. but um, I'm, I'm saying that you're very empathetic. Oh and- yeah, no, I, I have vicarious MS apparently. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it's like some ghost came over and just like slapped it out of your hand and was like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, I'm like. I had this inkling in the back of my mind of, you know, grew up going to Catholic school and what are one of the seven deadly sins? Vanity. And so I was like, oh. oh no, I'm, this is it. This is God smiting me. Spiting me? Smite? Smiting? Spiting? Something. Me either. Either or. I mean, yeah. Uh. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying I didn't really put two and two together about how it's also October. And then when I posted something on my Instagram to be like, someone tell me what the fuck this means because I can't believe I keep doing this. And then someone was like, dude, you not only broke two mirrors in a month, but in the month of October. And I was like, <gasps> spooky. I know. I was going to say, like, did you get it? Was it what? None of them were on the 13th, though. No. No. Okay. No. Thank goodness. But. In both cases. And like I said, one of them was like a pink handheld Barbie mirror that I loved so much. The other one was a mirror that I'd had for quite some time. But anyways, just saying, if there's a curse that has, if someone has hexed me and Renee, we would really love it if you fucking pumped the goddamn brakes. But Mm. we would also love it if you review us on social media. Review us Mm -hmm. on all of your favorite podcast downloading apps. Follow us on social media for more gems. And if you're interested in Renee's book, DM us and she'll send it to you. Yeah, first come, first serve. Like, Love it. Sorry, all you people that like to reach out to me and not thinking it's Julie. <laughs> 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 yeah, Renee's behind all of our socials. So all those like top shelf, incredible deep cut memes. That's all Renee. Those incredible I'm so, reels. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, the incredible reels advertising our latest episodes. Also, Renee. It's all Renee all the time. I just show up here and I read a floofy little book, and then Renee takes you really, she really carries us. She is the footprints in the sand, if you will. You're the you're the backbone of this podcast. I'm the scoliosis of this <laughs> podcast. Like like I'm the question mark scoliosis. So people are like, why am I listening to this again? You're like, but also I can't turn away. So. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you want to do your thing? You want to sing us out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. 
connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>